This is the Straight Dope Podcast, and I am going to try something different here. I've been writing articles on Sniper's Hide. Go to snipershide.com and check them out. I've been writing about field shooting considerations, precision, accuracy, and various components that lead to kind of the skill sets involved in field shooting. And before I move out of the field shooting to precision and to other things, I want to talk about over a couple episodes some of those key components. And today I am going to talk about the first section and essentially what it's doing is breaking down the various skills and equipment that people use in a way that allow you to break down how you're using and training and thinking about your shooting with those in mind. Because when it comes down to it, there's some people that just go do it. And there are some people that break down those skill sets. I think to get better breaking down the skill sets and then looking at strengths and weaknesses is very helpful. And so that's something that I do with the guys that I coach. It's something I do with the people when I talk about shooting, do it with myself. And so I'm going to continue to do that here. We cannot have the straight dope without Mile High Shooting. So before I get started, I just wanted to thank Mile High Shooting. I want to send you guys to milehighshooting.com. They have all of the best equipment. And if you need something, go there. They're nice. Send them an email. Ask them a question. They are my local firearms spot, so I get everything there, and they can ship all over the country. They have hazmat stuff, so they can send you powder, they can send you rifles to your FFL, and they have suppressors. I really like them. They're great people. I've been going there for years, and they support the Straight Dope Podcast. So thank you, Mahai, and let's get to it. So like I said, snipershide.com. You can see the articles. Pretty soon, there's going to be a big launch in the Sniper's Hide TV section. There's going to be an entire section devoted to Riflecraft stuff. So if you go to, uh, to God, what am I trying to say? If you go to snipershide.com on the top, you'll see Sniper's Hide TV. Go there, and then there'll be Sniper's Hide stuff. There'll be Riflecraft stuff, and I believe you can see CR2 shooting stuff, as well as future things that will be going on there. Check it out. Uh, we are about to kick that into overdrive. But for now, I want to talk about training for field shooting stuff. Why? Because my heart is nestled in field shooting. Not that I don't spend a lot of time following the guys I coach in PRS style or rimfire style or air rifles. I love that too, but I think the most well-rounded shooter is going to stand out in a field shooting competition because of the unpredictability and the variety, and some of that makes it very difficult to standardize, makes it very difficult, and that's probably why the community that does that is a little bit smaller. On the other hand, there is a community that's much, much larger than all the competitive fields combined, and those are the hunters and the people that like to shoot out in the real world or, or, or use rifles and firearms at work. And they're much more like that, but in a competitive setting. And I think that that's pretty cool. I call it a comprehensive approach because you have to combine marksmanship with terrain considerations, weather considerations, equipment skills, equipment availability, and problem-solving ability on the clock. And so not only do you have to be a good shooter and have good marksmanship skills, 
but you have to have all that other stuff or you don't get the opportunity to take a shot. And I think that, that when it comes to rifles, precision rifles and shooting at long range, that stuff always plays a role. To isolate pure marksmanship, competition styles like PRS have become very popular, and it's a great way to really hone in on those marksmanship skills. And you can see that in those shooters who really express unbelievable skill and talent in those refined shooting capabilities. But they don't get to test the adaptability, the resilience, the problem solving, and the efficiency that you might have if it was outside of the competitive field. And that's why I like the field stuff. So to kick it off, I, my kind of primary category there is adaptable precision, right? You have to still shoot small targets at a distance. They might not be one MOA targets all the time or one and a half MOA targets, but they're not much larger, right? We're often talking one and a half to two MOA instead of one to one and a half. And we're talking about distances that are usually not quite as far as you might see at a precision match where you can have 1,000-yard shots, 1,100, 1,200-yard shots sometimes. And in the field, most of the targets are 800 yards and in. Now, I've been to field matches where they've been past 1,000, absolutely. 12, 13, even 1,500 yards. But the majority of the targets are inside of 800 yards. Now, that does not mean that it's easy does not mean that it's a gimme because you have to find them. But what I mean by adaptable precision is you have to adapt to the stage. You have to adapt to the competition because you don't get to inspect or pre-plan. You have what you bring and you have to use what you brought in time constraints and knowing how to use it, knowing how to adapt and having versatility and a training history that complements your ability to problem solve is very, very important because you can't see the positions. You don't know where the target's at. And you have to read a list of instructions and criteria for that stage that you need to adapt to on the fly. And so the best way to adjust and the best way to adapt is to have a toolkit that's adaptable. Right? If you've got a multi-tool, you're going to be better off than if you just show up with a hammer or a screwdriver or a saw. You want to have a huge toolkit. And the biggest way, I think, and the best way, I think, to develop that toolkit is to take the equipment that you have and come up with the most uh, number of solutions that you can possibly come up with and train those and think, when would I have to do this? Or if I was in a position of having to shoot you know, out of an awkward thing through uh, vegetation, around rocks, over rocks, whatever. Can I use this stuff as creatively as possible, as quickly as possible, and still maintain the level of precision that I need for that? And it comes down to problem solving. But like most things that get dubbed problem solving, Take chess, for instance. It seems like if you don't play chess, it's all these random moves. But people memorize patterns and they memorize ways to get through things with um, a variety of moves and techniques. Say, okay, I see this pattern and now I have two or three options that I could play. 
or with a Rubik's Cube. You see a pattern of colors and you know, okay, I can, I can do this in 15 moves or 12 moves. And it's like that. You start to develop this list and that list kind of turns into a dichotomous kind of branching, problem-solving series that you go through and say, okay, you know, if, if this shot requires that I shoot over an obstacle and that obstacle is three feet tall, I need to either have a tripod, I can either shoot offhand, I could shoot off a tree, I could shoot off the thing that's blocking me potentially. And knowing how you shoot from those is very important because people discover very quickly when they're doing the, just the rifle craft baseline test that they often have positional shifts that they need to train out. They often have stability issues with some of the equipment that they have. They need to learn and adapt those new techniques. So I think that that comes from this experience training and experience problem solving ahead of time. And the more problems that you've solved, the more confidence you gain. And the faster you're able to recognize those patterns, make the decisions, execute the plan, and move forward because the clock is always ticking down. So in this latest article, I talked about training steps. And I like to have outcomes. I like to have ideas that you could apply. But also, I don't like to say, do this, do this. Because I, I think that, that when somebody says, you know, you got to do this, you got to you know, stand up tall and be perfectly straight when you shoot from a tripod, isn't really thinking about all of the variety of positions that you might have to shoot from. I want you to be adaptable and I want you to be able to confidently say, I don't have a positional shift from any height, so it really doesn't matter. In that case, can you build a position at a height that's needed quickly? And there's going to be time components like, okay, well, to get to this height, it's going to take me longer than this height. Maybe I want time to do other things, so I'm going to shoot from this position because it's faster and there's no lack in precision. The first thing that I would say is try to develop scenario-based ideas that can simulate as close as possible to match conditions and then think, in these conditions, in this terrain, what are some of the hardest things that they could throw at us and then try to solve those problems, right? Try to get ahead of it so that you're training and practicing things that are harder than what you would have normally expect. Shoot and measure on paper first, then take it to distance. And get wrapped up in the idea of the scenarios that you might be thrown at. If you're going to be shooting at animal targets, if you can, use animal targets. Use animal pictures. Use animal things because your eyes are going to be looking for the thing that your eye has spent the most time looking at. And if you're looking at a craft diamond but you go out and shoot animals, your your eye might look past that. If you're If you're shooting at two MOA targets, but you train on a four MOA target, your eyes are going to be used to seeing something that's much bigger. If you're used to shooting at very brightly painted targets and these targets are camouflaged, it's going to be hard to find that. So getting the most realistic scenario-based simulations that you can is going to set you up to problem-solve to the best of your ability. If you watch a movie with nature, with animals, and there's a distant shot with an animal in it, Pause it and practice looking at the animal. Maybe get out your dry fire setup and try to get the animal in your reticle. Try looking at terrain. 
and saying, how would I find that? How would I remember how to find that? How would I range it? What are some problems with ranging it? And try to get your head into the mindset of this is what it's going to look like. If there's video of that range, if there's video from previous matches, get used to the way that it looks, get used to the layout, get used to the terrain. Practice from shooting from a variety of positions that you self-deploy so that if you can't use stuff that's there as effectively, you can create the position that puts you in an advantage. And you do that by shooting in these positions, getting used to the height of your tripod, if you're going to deploy it, your bipod, your pack, whatever it is that you can self-create. You self-deploy those positions and do that over and over again so that you know a time hack. You know your efficiency and you know how hard it is to set up, how hard it is to get in and out of those positions and what you might need to do that. And then I would say you want to integrate movement into that. So getting all your stuff picked up, moving it, pack it down. If your stuff's scattered around, think about how long it's going to take you to access the things that you might need and start measuring yourself on a time scale that allows you to wrap your head around how to kind of divide up your time appropriately so that you have time to transition and not be stressed, so that you might have to adjust in your position and not be stressed to change the height of your tripod. If you set it up and it was just off, you can adjust it down. And then you'll know, rather than being stressed, oh, this takes me 15 seconds, not a big deal. But if it takes you a minute, it could be a big deal. If it takes you a while to range and then write down the range and then get your dope translated and then do the wind, figure out your time hack so you know how long you have for each of those and then try your best to simulate and create a set of drills and a set of kind of leaps that you're going to go forward from your standard training that gets you in the mindset of that competition. Because being able to adapt means that you've thought ahead and you understand your skill set well enough that you can apply your skill set as best as you can in the given time. If I'm going to a competition dynamics match, I know I might have four to six minutes. I know I might I'll probably have six to eight targets. They won't be painted and I can start making decisions because I know what I'm going to expect. I know what I'm going to be looking for, and I understand how to get the points that I need to. And, and then I could look at the terrain that I might be in and start practicing, setting up, breaking down, moving, setting up, breaking down, moving, and doing that in a way that's going to potentially be harder than the match so that you go in knowing your hit percentage, you know your wind call, you know the gear the limitations of the gear, and you don't fight your equipment, but you work your best to complement what it can do to maximize your score. And if you have to move left, right, up, down, you can do that with the prior knowledge that you had from training. Because if you just go sit on a bench and shoot a bunch of steel and say, all right, you know, I'm whacking it, everything's awesome, you might find yourself surprised when you have to do things that aren't off of a bench and it's not big painted steel and you're not just swacking it over and over and over again. So get in the mindset and train adaptability because most of us have the precision level down. And I would argue that most shooters at a match probably all shoot pretty close to one another in terms of just the shooting part. 
the best shooters are adaptable and they understand the finer layers of their skills and they can apply them effectively and dynamically. And even at a PRS match, you know, those good shooters, there's probably plenty of shooters that can outshoot them in terms of groups, but yet the top shooters are making decisions and seeing things because they've added those layers of training into them that they understand their performance and what they need to do to hit the target, and they're training those things. If you just do what they're doing, you're not really complementing your skill set. So you have to start at the basics. Start with the fundamentals. Start with paper, precision. Start with time and build up from where you are, and you're going to see those gains come much faster than if you're trying to do what somebody that's beyond you is doing because they've already covered those bases that are going to kind of cause you to trip and stumble along the way. Those big gains at those lower level things that might not be as sexy to you, those are what I call the low-hanging fruit. And if you address those low-hanging fruit, you often find that your score goes up very quickly compared to others. And then you kind of settle into a place where then if your score and your your advancement kind of plateaus a little bit, now there's new low-hanging fruit that you need to address and new low-hanging fruit. And that way you'll constantly improve. You shouldn't plateau or have it come down to luck. It should be based in your skills. And for the field, the skills are adaptability. So think about that. And see if you agree, if you disagree, email me, chris at riflecraft.com. If you have any questions, comments, but adaptability is the hallmark of the field and you should be able to adapt and maintain the same level of precision and accuracy as well as understand if I have two minutes, I can do this, three minutes, I can do this, but if it's 30 seconds, the only way I can solve the problem is with these skills and then you can manage and make the choices that are appropriate for you rather then just panic and let it go and um, feel bad. So adaptable precision. Scenario-based training. Practice in a variety of uh, positions. Practice setting them up, moving them, all self-deployed. Manage your equipment effectively. Understand the time that's associated and the problems that can come from that. Find solutions to the problems that can come from that and record it. Then you can go in knowing this is how I expect to perform. And if it doesn't go that way, it's likely that something fell apart in that sequence. And you can address that for the next one. Adaptable precision. The next one I'm going to talk about is target indexing, but that's going to be the next episode. So until next time.